Welcome to, to Left Jess. No, no pods, no, no masters. masters. And cut. Perfect. Intro. Sequence. High fives all around, gang. High fives to all of your best friends. A lot of high fives going on in the studio. Wow. You're listening to Left Jess. Welcome to the podcast. KPIS FM. Thanks for tuning in. We're live here in Punk Alley with uh, the very funny Brian Bahi. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Oh, honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been a fun little week, right? About <laughs> this week, that's what we're doing. Right off the top, checking in about the week in our lives, in the world. In our lives. And What's uh, going on with romance? With, with romance. With you, boy? With you, boy. Uh, by the way... Uh, this is one of your co-hosts slash intern at the show, Alex Patak, and uh, I'm here with my good friend and co-host. Anders Lee here. Anders Lee here. He's here at the studio, and uh, we just miss you guys. It's cold out today. But we got a space heater going on. This thing is actually really warming up my leg a little too much. Yeah. Uh, um, part of fuck. doing a podcast in a shipping container means you have to be uh, Resourceful. within a foot of a space heater, yeah. or yeah. You, the bums will... Mm-hmm. Take you. I'm terrified that we might, you know, just wind up in Australia on a ship because mm-hmm. we're in a ship. <laughs> we just accidentally, yeah. I just watched. It's m- happened before. It has. Uh, I actually just watched a very sad movie about uh, a fellow who accidentally burned his family to death. I thought you were going like to say tongue. Tongue? Burned his tongue. Oh, burned his tongue. <laughs> very theoretical very film yeah very yeah relatable My well it, you know it's no taste buds currently right that movie is for people with really <laughs> good taste so um i hope we're gonna edit this out but uh folks <laughs> <laughs> we uh it's been what what did that happen a week ago the the announcement i believe from the it Army was Corps? a week and a half ago you know, we don't want to yeah, get too into this, but this is a special Dakota Access Pipeline episode. DAPL. Uh, we are having Jack Smith 4 here from Mike.com, who did reporting on the ground there, mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Bahi, who is technically Native American. <laughs> uh, you are on paper. <laughs> You're also an expert in engineering, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah, so that's the real reason we had him. That yeah. is what you told me in the extensive email about why you should be on the yeah. show. Yeah. What, <laughs> when I, you came asking for permits. Right. I was a civil engineering major for half a semester in college. Were you actually? <laughs> no. Oh, <fuck>. Okay. <laughs> I can smell He's a an bit impro- like He is that. a trained improviser, oh, yeah. so he had me yeah. going there. Uh, uh, I'm outnumbered in this room full of <laughs> goons. <laughs> Wait, you haven't taken improv? I took one class, like, in college, and I think I told Anders this, but you could tell it ended bad because at the 101 graduation, uh, so at the end of the, your improv class, they, they have you do a show. Class show, shows up, yeah. And yeah. the 101 class show is always notoriously uh Bad. awful to watch like a like a mock execution and uh-huh. uh i slipped up and couldn't think of a line in a scene in a duo scene with just like me and this one other guy and i just started quoting anchorman uh. <laughs> uh. 
Something about uh, my apartment smells of rich mahogany got into the show, <laughs> and everyone just looked the other way. <laughs> I hope there's a video of that, and, uh, you know, who is Adam McKay comes after you and sues you. I will fucking leave town <laughs> if that video <laughs> surfaces. This is hard enough as it is, running such an edgy podcast. Classic level one mistake. We don't have any Ron Burgundy quotes yet, but... Uh, you know, you never know where the banter is going to go. We'll have him on. Or, yeah, that would be cool if he was like with the alternate media version of Ron Burgundy. like Ron Fournier? <laughs> Ron Burgundy is alternate media Ron Fournier? Yeah. What if, or what if he hosted Democracy Now, Ron Burgundy? <laughs> <laughs> the War and Peace Report. I can't even remember. Another Western-backed military crushing <laughs> the souls of the peasantry. Oh, look, the rest of our guests are here. All right, so it looks like it's time to start the show, everybody. You ready to do it? Let's do it. I'm sorry, I'm late. Are we live? We're live, but like uh, right now we have Dave Bay on this. We have live listeners. We also have post live. We're gonna start in a second. All right, let's just do it. Okay, left chest on three. One, One, two, two, three. three. Left Left chest. No pods. No masters. Pods, no masters. Yes, indeed. Uh, we are joined now uh, <laughs> by. Thanks for keeping it professional, Alex. Uh, we have Jack Smith, the fourth, right? Who? Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, of course. No, super exciting to be here. Very. Uh, I love the very novel recording space. Yeah, this is a shipping container, and uh, we contain. A lot of exciting information uh, for you this week that uh, we're excited to share, right? We got hot riffs coming up. Uh, (laughs) This has been, we're like a week and a half out since the uh, Army Corps announcement, right? It's like a little over a week ago. And um, that it looked pretty bad. Like things were pretty doom and gloom, especially after the election. Like this looked like this pipeline was going through. Uh, Still could, potentially. But uh, you, Jack, you were just in Standing Rock, right? Yeah, so I got back, like, um, I suppose I I got home about a week ago. Um, Sort of one of the first things that happens after they announced the, um, after the Army Corps of Engineers made their announcement is that it started blizzarding, like, super miserably, like, incredibly badly. Um, On the next next day, there were, like, something like 127 cases of hypothermia. Um, yeah, like, it, it was it was pretty nuts. Uh, the video team that came, uh, that eventually joined me there abandoned the RV they were in so that they could get the hell out of there. Cowards! Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. They have, like, no <laughs> grit. Um, but, no, they were fantastic. Um, it was frigidly <laughs> cold. <laughs> it was, like, negative 20 wind chill. Uh, so it was, like, super oh. wildly bad. 
Um, and then the el- tribal elders said, you know, let's get a- get everybody the fuck out of there. And everybody kind of characterized it as like the tribal elders were like, everybody go home, everything's cool. But really, it was like a survival and safety thing. Um, that area of the reservation is like not equipped to have people living in it year round. It's never meant to, but the, even the Lakota Sioux don't live there uh, year round. They like retreat to different areas. Like the, um, they retreat to South Dakota. Basically, they have a winter uh, uh, spot. You wrote, you wrote. I was reading all your. Yeah, they vacation. Article. Yeah, uh, Jack. No, Jack actually took some great pictures of this. If you just go to his Twitter or whatever, you can see actually what all of this looks like, and it's crazy. What's your What's, what's your Twitter again? My, my Twitter handle is 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 just Jack Smith IV, like the fourth, like Jack Smith IV. And you can, like, find me there. I mean, if you, like, you type in Jack Smith at this point, like, it kind of auto-completes. Ooh, it's like, wow. Yeah, you just type in Jack Smith, brilliant. Is this what confidence looks like? Because I've never Jack seen Smith, it. Jack Smith, star player. Um, Jack Smith, ultra light beams. <laughs> you, you come up under star player? <laughs> yes, no, it's just From Jack Smith. time in the, the Korean leagues? Yeah, well, people ask me why the fourth. Because it's just like it is an impediment to anybody taking you seriously, literally ever when you call somebody up. Um, but it's just ungoogleable otherwise, or they think you're giving a fake. Like I'd never be able to book a hotel ever. Right, and you're easy to find in person because you have a giant four tattooed on your arm. That's true. And in high school, I ta- this is legit. This is this. Is, so this is going to be a left just exclusive in high school. Um, exclusive. I was the kind of like, um, like. Uh, brimming nerd. I had a the fourth shaved in the back of my head yeah, at one point when I was fades. when I was fourteen years old. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty bad. That had been like early two thousand. I want to say two, early or late two thousand four. I think that would have been. Now, Jack four, and I have covered this extensively off air, but uh, there was a long time where I just assumed it was a Coheed and Cambria tattoo uh, <laughs> because it matches the one from their album. But uh, Oh, and by the way, if I, I, I've gone to Coheed and Cambria shows where people point to the tattoo and they're like, you're fucking legit. You're that Star League's Jack Smith? Super fan. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, t- I just totally play it off. I don't correct them. That's crazy. Oh, man. You must what be is a god? What's your middle name? Edward. It's just Edward. Yes, yeah, super boring. Uh, no, like yeah, I've lost he- interest. yeah, incredibly bougie and boring. Oh, J. Uh, the acronym would be J E S. What's your? Do you have a say, fourth last name? Jess. Why? Well, actually, like Jess was my uh, like childhood nickname too. You should start a one-man website called Jezebel, like J-E-S. Jezebel. 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 That would be tight. In high school, I had a band, and we almost named ourselves the Jack Smith Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn. Well, wow. uh, uh, to live so lavishly. Uh, we should also. So, so, so Native American sovereignty struggles. Uh, <laughs> let's just uh, take a moment. They come in fours, really. I want to. I, we'll, we'll go back to Jack's name. I want to take a minute and introduce our other guest, who is equally as important in our lives. A uh, little more unique of a name, though. And more unique. Last, last name. Uh, last. We have Brian, the B Man Bahi here. What up? What up? From the UFOlogy podcast. Brian, do you want to say a little about yourself before we like get into the the, yeah. the deep stuff? Hell yeah, uh, Brian Bahi from the Six O Two. Repping. Is that Arizona? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, shout out to all the Phoenix listeners. Um, yeah, <laughs> you so, want to know my tribes? Well, the, well, your name. I was gonna ask. 
we're talking Jack Smith. Bah- when people see B A H E, right? I've, I mean, we've been in a lot of the same open mics together. Sure. Uh, I get. Ba- we're talking Bay. We're, we're talking, talking Bay. We're talking Babe. We're, we're talking Bar. B A R. I got it right though. The first time we're talking. I just say his intro is like way better. Like I came on and I'm like I'm Jack Smith <laughs> and I I ta- I have a tattoo of, of my name and uh, it's just so hard to Google. <laughs> and he's like, "What's up? My name's the B Man from the 602. Oh, no. Follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Justin Bieber. I'll knife you." Like, like well, what's your, what's Jack? What's oh, your man. area code of origin? Two one two. I'm a New York native. Oh, oh. Jack, what are your tribes? <laughs> what are my tribes? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's that was one of the crazy things being at Standing Rock. Also, there's a lot of like decolonization education mm. for white allies. I probably need that. So, like, you have guys, <laughs> you have guys who like to go do the education, and then they go to dinner, like at the dinners. And I heard overheard a guy who was like, uh, over the many brilliant conversations I overheard, one guy was like, "Where are you from?" <clears throat> and this white guy was like. Oh, I'm from like former Lenape lands. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, Queens. <laughs> <laughs> my my hometown. It was always the six five one. Even before the indigenous uh, people came over on the yeah. ice bridge. Yeah, it was always known as the six five one. And actually, that was uh, it was a number cor- of animals originally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a uh, right. The al- the their crop circles that formed six five one. In Ramsey County, Minnesota. Uh, this is very safe radio so far. <laughs> well, let's get We're a little problematic. Let's ask a person of color to identify, <laughs> to self-identify. All right? Okay. We're going to go there, and we're going to ask uh, the B-Man what <laughs> your uh, <laughs> tribes of origin are, like we don't already know. Uh, <laughs> you, you didn't already know. <laughs> yeah. He told us five minutes ago. It does not count. Uh... All right, my I, I'm half Navajo on my dad's side, okay, and then I am a quarter Hopi and a quarter Thana Otham, uh, on my mom's side. So you know, all all Arizona tribes, um, yeah. But you did not grow up on uh, a reservation, correct? No, I did not. My my dad did. My mom grew up in Phoenix. She went to a God, what's that school called? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Phoenix. I think it's called Phoenix. Is it the online one? Arizona. No. <laughs> she <laughs> did go University. to University of Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She went to, like, this boarding school that was, like, for Native Americans in the heart of, like, Phoenix, but I forget what it's called. Sorry. Could I just take this moment to ask, who are your guys? <laughs> oh, my guys? Uh, You know, Sitting Bull. Boom. That's a big one. Geronimo. We want to go deep? Yeah, I do. Let's go. <laughs> let's go into the back issues. Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> We're talking uh, one of the where no, all the werewolves from the Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Costner at all? Or? Mm, you know, he's an ally, uh, <laughs> but he is not one of my guys. He's he's definitely in the conversation for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would they tell Kevin Costner at the decolonization meetings? Like, if he showed up, like, what does he have to know? <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't, I don't think you, the funny thing is the decolonization movies. He'd ha- first of all, he'd have I mean, the meetings. You'd, you'd have to show up on the right day because white people are only allowed in every other day. 
That's Ooh. true. These are good rules. They're great rules. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of, like, mandatory events at Standing Rock. Like, there's the, the, one of the surprising things you get there, and there's, like, a programming calendar for all yeah. of the things you have to attend um, if you're going to, like, hang with them. Um, just because there's so many opportunities to, like, <clears throat> totally fuck up when you're there that they're, like, v- they keep people on message. It's, like, one of the stories I wrote was about, like, how robustly organized all of the activism is. I read your um, here, but we'll have to mic switch or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, I read I read your article on the direct action trainings they had yeah. on there every day. Um, those, it sounds like life in the camp was extremely regimented. I'm sorry if I've moved past all the introductions we were doing, by the way. Uh, but uh, extremely beneficial when it actually came time to the shit hitting the fan, like the water hoses getting turned on. People actually knew what to do. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people see uh, direct action and they, like, often don't understand that activism is, like, a skill. People just think it's, like, people look silly and they act out, but, like, everything is planned, has a purpose. There are actually, like, there are books, like, one of the cool ones is, like, Beautiful Trouble. It's a, It reads, like, a coach's playbook of activism and various strategies and, like, organizing principles and case studies. Like, there's real, there are, like, real patterns to, there you can sort of execute on, so... Yeah, like, you'd show up at, and the 2 p.m. trainings, you'd show up at, like, uh, the IP3 project, which is Indigenous People's uh, Power Project, and, like, they would be like, okay, so, let's do drills, like, you get, you get maced in the eye, like, what do we do? And it'd be like, put, get somebody to their knees, like, make sure you, they hold on to their glasses, and how do we, like, spray, how do we, like, clean out of the eyes? It's like, down and away from the face, and away like, from the face. yeah, that's what, I, which is what, like, I've been trying to say this whole time. What were they, did they say anything on going limp? I went to one, uh, direct action training two or three years ago for the thing I did and uh, the whole discussion was like if they're taking you away you can go limp but they'll hurt you and then the discussion no like the interesting thing so obviously it's always uh, non-violent action so but one of the things they say is if they're going to do a snatch and grab which is when police what they'll do is they'll like if they they'll notice somebody and they will suddenly move forward grab somebody and attempt to pull them behind police lines so they can be arrested like there's ways of resisting that you typically get like a really heavy person to get low and do a bear grab around that person's low center of gravity but once they're gone you let them go because you never like resisting arrest always bad news like once you're gone you can cry out for like legal help which means somebody will start like reciting like lawyers numbers at you and stuff but also standing rock there was the legal tent, and they would bail everyone out. So they used donation money to categorically bail people out of jail as soon as they're arrested, um, which is, like, super cool. And did that work? Were people – was there a quick turnaround on this? Yeah, uh, well, you know, arrest, it's tough because they will, like – they'll seize your belongings. They'll seize cameras. You won't get shit back. But, like, yeah, the turnaround was, like, as good as um, – Sort of like one would hope. I was not arrested. If you get arrested, at least in New York, there there are cases where you can go like five days and they never give you back, or just like not when it's part of a protest. Uh, but if you're just like picked up, sometimes in uh, these really crowded areas, the processing is incredibly slow, so that can be awful. Yeah, well, and, and and especially with protests, it's like all intimidation tactics, right? Like the whole the whole thing is you are setting up environments where people are discouraged from action, like. You heard that stuff running up to the Monday alleged evacuation, which turned out to be, like, totally bullshit, um, that they were, like, when I was headed to Standing Rock, 
oh, the roads are closed. Yo, they're fining people $1,000 for trying to bring in supplies. It's all, it was all not true. Categorically, none of it was true. The roads were, like, cleanly open. It's incredibly easy to drive in as long as you're not doing it in a blizzard. Um, it's very accessible. But, yeah, it's all just, like, panic and fear and hoping that that wins out over sort of, like, the public outcry. I had a sweet uh, zombie riff that I I'm being so boring, and he comes <laughs> in and he's like, he's like, yo, I've got something tight to, to contribute. Uh, I was specifically told to bring my funny hat, yeah. to wear my funny hat. And uh, if you're looking at this thing, it is it's hysterical. <laughs> uh, so when how you're like not supposed to go limp when you're being uh-huh. dragged. Wait, as in... When you're being... <laughs> When you're being dragged okay. by the police. Let me recreate the situation we were in yeah. so Brian can jump back in with this riff. <laughs> um, uh, if you're getting arrested, a lot of uh, nonviolent protesters will go limp as a way to make the job more difficult of arresting but you. But that means make your body it, more heavy, just kind of slow. It counts as, um, well, you're just hard to pick up if you don't put any like pressure on your arms or legs because then they have to like grab you by the torso right. and throw you around. A lot of people, it's gonna when they but get it arrested. it counts as resisting arrest. So yeah. uh, they encourage Going, you not to do it unless you're willing to, you know, take a dime for the struggle or whatever. Uh, and I hope no one riffs on this. Oh man! <laughs> well, you're, you know, you're out of luck because I was gonna say this. I feel a dick sounds joke. Sounds like oh, nope, no, no dick joke. All right, this will be very helpful during the zombie apocalypse. That's the riff. Oh, <laughs> oh. I see what. So because Brian Bay, <laughs> not going limp will be helpful. Zombies be grabbing people is what I'm saying. Gotcha. <laughs> Your Boom. hat is too much, my friend. Other thing that occurred to me, these jails in North Dakota, um, at first it's like seems like there wouldn't have a high occupancy all the time. But, you know, the more you think about it, there's probably a lot of weirdos that they're used to putting in those North Dakota jails. A lot of truckers, like, doing weird shit, transporting. Oh, like, I would assume it's all drunk driving. Like, yeah. what are you going to arrest somebody in North Dakota for? Domestic smacking, you know. <laughs> they got, they'll die, so shit, that's a problem up there. That. Domestic smacking. <laughs> I want to say, by the way, that, like, uh, last night I was at, like, a podcast recording, not uh, just in the audience, um, and, like, the, the like, problematic swing is, like, so dramatic. <laughs> it was, like, the Katie Halper show, you know, Katie Halper oh, show. Oh, we thought about going to that, yeah. You know, yeah, it was, like, super tight. And one of my favorite new phenomenons is, the Chapo guys showed up uh-huh. late, like that, like they didn't. Nobody knew when it was, was going to start on time, but like the show had begun recording, and the Chapo guys like come in, and a couple people notice, and Katie Helper like tries not to mention it, but she's like, Can "People find seats, or blah blah blah." Yes, okay, yeah, it's like okay, guys, like the Chapo guys are here, and all of a sudden everybody was like, "What?" Like everybody like turned to <laughs> their head. It's like the weirdest group of rock stars you've ever Just seen. Get out your Matt Chrisman shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't oh, know. Who sang karaoke, by the way? It was, it was pretty metal. Oh, that's so sick. I, I saw Felix at the DSA meeting. I don't know. Week. I don't know if you've anyone's seen Alex and I walk into like an open mic, but yeah, uh, it's a lot like that. Brian can attest. Yeah. A lot of just applause. Yeah, you know, everybody just, wants to make sure you guys are like have, are seated. Yeah. It's hard keeping the fans away before we take the stage, but, you know, you do what you can. Yeah, Katie Halpert is usually there. (laughs) (laughs) Live Uh, casting at the... uh, We're pretty deep in the uh, leftist podcast and open mic comedy K-hole at one time. (laughs) On K-Piss? On K-Piss, nonetheless. Uh, um, I did want to... 
ask about the Facebook thing because that's what I I mean I like you know everyone and their mom saw the thing it's like check in at Standing Rock and you can you know do something good from your computer everyone and of course but my mom your mom didn't do it all right my mom didn't do it either but uh did that is that true that that was not really a thing yeah so uh real quick uh that's all bullshit. Okay. Um, here's the like one of the things that like is really cool about what happened at Standing Rock is a lot of people consider you know there's a huge conversation like is Standing Rock over right and, like no like probably not uh, we'll probably be dealing with standing uh, the the issues with the um, um, energy transfer partners and the Dakota Access Pipeline Company for like a long time but there is a degree to which we talk about it as a successful protest action right right. They've won a lot of grounds when over the past few years not a lot of material gains have been won by protest. Um, and one of the things that's that's that must be emphasized, and it was the thing I tried to do in like the last piece you referenced about direct action training, is emphasize that like what worked here is what has always worked, which is like putting bodies on the line, occupying physical space, like being personally obstructive, being peaceful, um, and like the the one of the funniest things about being at camp is you are pretty highly isolated from the misinformation ecosystem. Like there's not a lot of information coming in and out of camp. So it's just like I imagine I wasn't present at Standing Rock when all that Facebook checking in thing happened, but it it one of the the Facebook check in thing comes from this like paranoid selfish fantasy. It's really just like this individualist notion um that the real dimension of activism happen like happens in the space where you like share your fucking selfies and like the articles that you think you can like abuse your friends with or whatever right <laughs> like the like the idea that yeah it's just like i don't know what to say beyond like the very boring take which is just it's like slacktivism incarnate if you are trying to make a difference from home send like Shut down a Wells Fargo. You know what I mean? Like right. Wells Fargo. People are talking about like divestment, right? Wells Fargo is now considering, or at least having conversations, which could be like a meaningless gesture. But at least they made the gesture of saying, like, okay, we're going to talk to tribal elders about our financial interest in energy transfer partners. Like that happened because, like, dozens of people went to Wells Fargo and were dive tackled by zealous employees. Like they put bodies on the line. I'm suspicious of. Almost any form of action that does not put bodies on the line. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting you said... I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but um, two years ago, do you remember when they had the big global warming awareness march with like 10,000 people in it? Or uh, yeah, whatever the figure the on that was? It was like two years ago, right? Two years ago. Yeah, 2014. Uh, at, right after that, they had Flood Wall Street, which was a very similar action where the whole point was you'd get X number of people riled up from the march to go and do a direct action and uh, disrupt Goldman Sachs, I believe, uh, down the finance district. And uh, I went to that. And I stayed till the end and I got arrested. And there was like 100 people who got arrested. And it made the news, which was pretty cool. But it didn't seem to have any kind of lasting effect. So that kind of brings up how important context is with the movement. Because that one action didn't really have any other follow-ups that I know of. And it wasn't very effective. Versus now alongside the DAPL uh, protests, we have these, uh, you know, like, sister actions happening where the people are closing down banks. And people are like, oh, these two things are related. This is right. part of an effort for divestment. 
Yeah. I mean, it does cer- certainly th- seem like, you know, hey, what's a reason we can protest Wells Fargo? Okay, you you get a hu- there's a huge ten volumes of like terrible things they've done to just every. Brian, do you know everyone. some of the terrible things Wells Fargo has done? I want to talk about the importance of centering indigenous people in this struggle. No, just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> oh, we're just a bunch of good old boys here. Uh, I have a question for you in a second, but first, Brian has to really lay in the importance of, uh, uh, what was it, Wells Fargo? Where, yeah, what are some of the issues with Wells Fargo, I bank Brian? with, uh, you know, a local 602 credit union, so... I don't know. So the fact right. that they're not that credit. So they've yeah. probably Wells Fargo I'm sure, has done p- terrible things in in Phoenix, right? It's done terrible things in basically every city. I think so they closed like, down a Quiznos. <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, as far as I meatball subs Quiznos. goes, there's not Subway's not really as good of a replacement. But um, in high school, I couldn't have sex in my house, and whenever I wanted to have sex, I'd have to drive to the Quiznos on the highway and have sex <laughs> in the parking lot. Oh, I thought you were going to say in the Quiznos. Uh, no, but it was like 30 feet away. <laughs> Close enough to get that uh, smell. It's a strong sure emotional attachment it. to me. Yeah, if you could, I would. Yeah, anyway, the point was <laughs> there's so many reasons to protest Los Fargo. It seems like it maybe instead of just like, like, you know, oh, they're so bad. Just saying like with cool. what just happened. Hey, this is connected to the pipeline. And then yeah, you can start with other movements. action. Yeah. Exactly. This and if for something say involving housing rights, you could also shut down Wells Fargo. Can I ask you know? Jack a question? Yes. Could you pass him the microphone? Okay. Um, Jack. Okay. So you were actually at um, uh, what was the name of the main camp there? Oh yeah. So there's three camps. I was at Oshedi Shakoing camp, which is um, which is like uh, one of the. It's basically like the one close to the front lines. The first was like Sacred Stone, but Oshedi Shakoing camp, which is a camp that. Um, Oshedi Shakoin. It means the it means the seven bands of the of the Sioux. Uh, the I believe it's the Lakota Sioux, or maybe just the Sioux Nation. Do you know the seven bands? No, I don't. I was he, ready to see you oh, do that. Damn. <laughs> no. He's good. He's yeah, damn good. Nirvana, Aerosmith. <laughs> you know. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. <laughs> and four yeah, other four bands. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, it, it's a, it's a, it means the seven bands, and it, it's the first time in like 140-something years that they convened that camp. It convenes when it's necessary for the seven bands to um, to come together oh. and stand. So the Oshetti Shikoan camp is right up at the front line, so that's the camp I was at, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, uh, when you were there, and this goes along with uh, the Centering Indigenous People thing, when uh, did it feel around the camp like this was a climate action uh it was about the greater climate struggle or is about that specific uh land area because it seems like both are great valid important struggles but i want to know what it was like on the ground well the messaging so the on the ground a lot of it is about occupation um survival prayer and action so like a lot of it's just kind of like implicit the importance of of yeah, there was a lot of message. There's a lot of talking about, you know, the importance of the water, the importance of being there. Um, but on, at the camp, like most of the day is spent doing things like chopping firewood to keep places warm, like washing the dishes, like preparing to like feed lots of people. Like the camp functions like a small city in terms of the centering indigenous people. That's another keystone of like what made this movement like kind of like so successful is that unrelated to the keystone pipeline 
unrelated to. Yeah. Did I say Keystone? Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. No, sorry. I was thinking of. Well, I did that out. So embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Dakota Access. Uh, no, I was like researching the city of Keystone earlier today, and I was like, oh, this is gonna confuse me. Um, no. So. <sighs> Damn. I should. You know what? I this should. This would be better I if leave. I didn't know you as well, because I wouldn't feel as licensed to harass you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so. Um, one of the things that they sent, one of the things that is, is important that to realize in the final weeks, they said, is that the camp had become more non-indigenous than indigenous, um, which is like when they talk, when you talk about something like colonization, they're like, this is kind of like what the the beginnings <laughs> of colonization is that is that people show up, especially when they show up with um donations and feel that their contribution entitles them to being part of the decision making process especially when they did have to deal with you know it sounds conspiratorial but there are law enforcement infiltrators people with, with ill means so yeah it was the camp was like very decentralized it's very difficult to find information and it kind of like operated in circles there were inner circles around like planning and action and then everybody else kind of like provided the sort of like ambient support that would be uh crazy if <laughs> and while they're like cooking they're just like we're just gonna have simple meals but then everyone else is like no we're having lasagna oh yeah well Sick riff. All right. <laughs> that was good. Back. That was good. No, but like people do that. They show up and they're like, oh, you know what would like make. Here's a great example in the orientation. They were like, they did all this talk about like how um, white people are coming in with their like terrible fucking ideas, which is totally true. And then they uh -huh. did this. Then they were like, okay, open to questions. What and... if it's not a town and instead it's a prog rock label yeah no, no, no yeah so one guy was like one one guy asked a question they were like open up to questions and one guy was like hey um if it's gonna snow and there are like porta potties what happens what about like if the trucks that empty them can't get into camp and they were like okay we're just going to use that example of, like, there are 7,000 people here, and somebody's fucking thought of that. Like, guy who is here because it's his first day, like, we've been here for six months, like, we got this. But people do show up, and they're like, have you guys thought of this? It's like, oh, like, yeah, like, setting up an organized trash, you know. Yeah. They're like, is that a Coheed and Cambria tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How did they deal with the poopy? I don't know, but there's the question. There was this uh, <laughs> one of the one of the rumors that was that there was this group of guys um, called the Lost Boys, and they were the right. ones who were dealing with like all of the trash around Corey camp. Corey Feldman. Yeah, no, I never saw them operate. Like they were just, uh, yeah, no, I never saw them. The trashes just they were like emptied each day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, the, I mean they're obviously vampire. I mean the vampire werewolf dynamic as we know on right. the has which been... again goes back to centering indigenous people right yeah the vampires show up with all of their mm -hmm. no i have let's make this all about vampires now it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter you've been living here with your wolf clan for years i hate that that's so eurocentric well what what brian what is probably the most annoying piece of guff piece of crap you get from the the whiteies that like <laughs> just in terms of like annoying questions you have to answer uh, that one, or I have to deal with like, did I go to college for free? Uh, which like, I kind of did. Nice, but you know, 
Why are you asking me that? <laughs> yeah, it seems very personal. Yeah, that's but, more just rudeness. But do people are people like racist to you sometimes? You know what? <laughs> no, like I haven't gotten like straight up like racism, racism, mm-hmm. and that's probably because most people wrongly assume that I am some type of like Asian. I did person. think you were Asian for like at least gotten... a month <laughs> <laughs> I until you gotten... had a joke about it, and they're like, "Oh, it's covered." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I could quote Frank Terranova, uh, last night in an open mic, <laughs> who said, uh, I counted four Asians in the room, five if you include Brian Bahi. Oh, that's a good riff. Yes. We should have him on. Uh, <laughs> well, what is it, uh, I did also want to ask, too, like, in, like, growing up in, um, especially, like, in an urban area, uh, at, like, the beginning of the 21st century and stuff, and, like, what, what was that like just like learning about uh native like the american indian movement and all that stuff like is that did you have a strong sense of that growing up or not as much as i would have liked my parents in like instead of like teaching me about that they were or like being really into that they were super into religion instead mm. uh... so i feel like yeah, I feel like I kind of missed the boat on that. I feel like, <laughs> shout out to my parents for being, <laughs> yeah. you know, for taking me to church instead of, you know, the uh, independent movie <laughs> theater. <laughs> <laughs> it's an either or. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, I like, it's, I, I guess I kind of had to learn that on my own. Hmm. Um, what? Did you never, like, asked about your, like, heritage and stuff growing up i did and then um they would talk to me about it and uh i'm more curious about it now and like and and i'll talk to them about it and just hear it's mostly like personal stories than it is yeah greater uh history okay you you weren't raised on a reservation Uh, right we covered this right uh do you know like how far back before your family had that kind of tie-in or they just like never lived there i'm completely ignorant of, oh my yeah. dad my dad grew up there and he has like most of his family is there like in northern arizona do you go visit them yeah i used to like spend my summers there when i was a kid what's it like there it's very uh rural it's like it's it's very rural like i uh you know there's still outhouses out there that i would that, that you would watch. <laughs> that I would uh, hang out, hang out in, <laughs> you know, tweet from. Uh, yeah, it's rural. Uh, not a lot, a lot of unpaved roads. It's pretty great, actually. When I, you know, Were, did the people who live there felt like they had any kind of solidarity together, or was it just kind of like a town? It was like, oh, you fucking know, Joe. Yeah, it was a lot like that. It was like. You know, everybody he knew steals. <laughs> Oh yeah, Joe was a huge thief. Yeah, yeah. no matter where you live. <laughs> yeah, everybody knew everybody, and they referenced people by like, uh, they could like name their family back to like you know generations and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Truly insane. Um, so yeah, where do we go from here, guys? I guess. Uh, Well, that is an interesting history in context of, like, what's happening now uh, because there's been this, like, conflict that 
it seems like hasn't really dissipated that we're that a lot of Americans are not that familiar with in terms of like the between the US government and indigenous people in North America because um, like it, it it's kind of like the almost the same thread from the founding to like going back even to I mean it's still going on today but like in the 70s and 80s there was a lot of violence um, and like a lot of, and from like what I've like watched and read about it um a lot of people see this as an ongoing violence, at, uh, as in like uh, like like a like collective an, strike, type like thing? an Oglala, like with Leonard Peltier and all this stuff. I've never heard of any of that. Oh well, there was uh, Jack probably knows about this stuff, right? Yeah, mar- yeah, 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 marginally. I mean, I this is one of the first time I I covered indigenous um, sovereignty struggles, um, but yeah, Leonard Peltier. You know, one of the things they. Uh, one of the things they were talking about is one of that was like one of the criticisms that one of the guys around the sacred fire was like talking about is it's like Obama like was trying like one of the guys said like why doesn't like Obama um, pardon Leonard Peltier like it's it's something that comes up in the tradition of Native American sovereignty struggles but it's not something I'm like deeply familiar with. Well, yeah, I, I just know like. Uh, a little I'm not super familiar with his specific case but I know that like he was kind of I mean there was a a stand there was a actually a a, kind of a battle I think back in the 70s in um, the I think it was South Dakota Uh, but there's shooting between the FBI and uh, AIM um, and Peltier ended up getting thrown in jail for life and uh at the end of the Clinton administration, there was a that was the last time there was a big push to pardon him, and he was thinking about it. And then like a bunch of FBI families like did some like march on the White House, like don't you do this, don't even think about it. Uh, so it's and so he just stayed. So he's been there. He's a, been in jail, yeah, for been a while, forty years now, something uh, like that. Well, the the root issue for the indigenous struggle of. <coughs> uh, the DAPL right was that it was going the pipeline was going to go through a white town right and then the white town rejected it because it's shitty to have an oil pipeline go through your town and it yeah. essentially just got moved over here as a de facto racism thing and there's uh I think I if without knowing any better I would guess that those are the kind of microaggressions going on against the native communities in America um, you, I don't know if that oh, yeah yeah sure well, that I mean, it's funny because it's. Please, please speak on behalf of. <laughs> of well, I, I, I just in the term microaggressions. It's funny how that's often used to. Microaggression, uh, uh, I guess, more macro than not holding the door for someone. Yeah, that's but usually where it's applied to. Less macro than in uh, all-out war. Right. What is this an act? Is this like a, a really effective use of the word? microaggression because i recant bit... my use maybe it no no no. but that's maybe this is what it should be used for is like this is actual racism playing out in a very tangible way the, that's the thing i worry about here because i'm so unused to any protest winning even in the most marginal sense of the word yeah. where the company uh, or whatever's being protested against takes any kind of action in response to the movement that I don't like even know how to feel 
right now. Um, I'd, I'd, as Jack keeps writing about online, the, the actual pipeline going through is not necessarily not going to happen. Uh, right. like once Trump's president, he might just like wash out whatever, whatever happened in full support of the pipeline, which he owns part of the percentage of the parent company. Uh, like what do we do from here? Uh, well, one of the things that was at least affirming to me is like one of the, what do we do from here is like tough because there's, it's inter- there's the new conversation emerging. You hear it more in like little leftist circles about how the the left has failed to talk has kind of sort of like left power out of the conversation. You never hear people on the left talk about where power comes from, um, how to exercise it, how to take advantage of it. I think Standing Rock offered a model for how people create and use power through organizing and action and coalition building. Um, But one of the things that I think going forward that was at least affirming for me in terms of Standing Rock is Standing Rock, there's a thread for me that is like um, along the lines of like Occupy and Standing Rock and um, uh, as somebody in the media... You assume that there are a set of issues and events and priorities around organizing that are the purview of fringe news organizations, right? The things that, like, where you go to, where you're like, you hear about a news item and you're like, oh, that sounds like some Democracy Now! stuff, right? Right. And one of the things that's really cool to realize, especially as, like, new media companies, like, come up, is a lot, we have inherited a lot of ideas about like what is mainstream or not and what's clearly coming out from issues like standing rock again as somebody who's coming from like a media perspective is that like that needs total rethinking that was the thing about bernie that like people one of the people in the media like some mediaites caught on to was the idea that like oh shit like traditional rubrics of what we take seriously as a news item are being disrupted entirely by what people are actually interested in. Because there's no control for major media the way there was 20 years ago. Right. Like, you can't just be like, oh, he's weird. Get him off of television. That doesn't happen anymore. Ten new cameras pop up and record the guy you ignored, and then he's big on the internet. And if something, yeah, that's that's another thing, is if you miss something, if the media is missing something, it's going to show up in your face face like over and over again and the media what what happens in the public sphere is now also tied to our success metrics right so like once upon a time i was selling subscriptions if you had an interest you're not selling subscriptions you just have interests well now we're all looking everybody's looking for clicks and likes including the media so when we tell me about when we fail to capitalize on something like standing rock it's not that like that thing is not going to get attention we're just going to lose like we're just not gonna have we're just not gonna get access to the attention that we want and that that issue deserves and is getting naturally so it's an affirmation for me that like the energy is there what we need now is kind of like leadership and direction that's the like the thing i am concerned about because nobody has like a good answer for that question there's just so much to frame you know like it's hard to even pick a direction before we've decided even what we're deciding over um i know i feel conflicted about this because uh okay so let's say the pipeline was going through the white town and then they objected but the company still went through their part of town anyway uh 
that would still be a loss for me because I don't want any more oil pipelines going up. Right. They, there should be bodies on the line for that, and that's much less tangible of something to organize around. Yeah, and, and this is kind of a, a great... It has been a great example of... Uh, another buzzword, intersectionality, right? Because you had Buzz. these two like movements that you know were very much... Yeah, they were together. And if it's there just is. going through uh, a field in North Dakota and not, that's not any by any people, right? Then that's just going to be an environmental issue, right? Right. Right. So I guess what I'm wondering is, will there be more immediacy to environmental issues maybe under more of a, like, right-wing crackdown that we're about to get? Um, but I... I don't think there's any reason to think that, though, because environmentalism's been, like, a losing game for fucking decades. I feel like there will be, just because everyone's like uh, way more on their toes now about what's happening and what's going on. On I their toesies. On their toesies. The the uh, the backlash needs to be so strong and sudden though to fight for any kind of like sustainable future, because the 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 like global climate has tipping points with uh carbon buildup that we've already passed so the action needs to be so sudden and immediate that and we're just not seeing it at all really uh outside of this one struggle right uh but what it's something i am encouraged by i guess in, at least in some of the literature that um people in the environmental movement are reading and and passing along to each other is there does i mean there's always been an anti-capitalist strain but it seems like that's grown and starting to grow a lot more within the past couple of years do you think that's true uh yeah yes but the the trouble for al sorry i'm yeah i'll let you guys go ahead but i i I was just gonna i was just gonna say (laughs) that like i was gonna say that like um i the question of like whether environmental activism will continue to um, take hold is hinging on like two things I think is one like what are the environmentalists plans like are they are they like hardcore are they for real are they going to seize the the proper moments and do the organizing legwork like it's it's a lot of legwork around seizing powers like you said they had that one day protest that's a problem labor has right now too is that like strikes labor strikes there's a problem with like new labor which is that like strikes now are like one day long and they're like symbolic gestures um it's hard to drag anything out a month yeah (laughs) unless you in america at least i mean like right there was a general strike in india earlier this year that went over for how long anybody got those figures on it i i think that was only a day but it they got really i think it's pretty short but they got but the amount of people they got i think was unprecedented uh, just in terms of the world, like right? They get... Like they're um, uh, they're trying, they keeps trying to be organizing around a general strike in America for Trump's inauguration. Uh, I can't get happen. anyone no on board way. for that. I'm probably going to be working that day. <laughs> so, like, that's bad. But you know, you need the money. Uh, this, I mean, this is a total uh, armchair activist thing. But I'm about to say, but like, wouldn't it be great if there was some organization where people. Because that's one of the things. It's like, okay, where where can I give some twenty bucks? You know, I got twenty bucks. What if that all went to a pool for people who are striking? You know, doing stuff like that. You know, who need the financial support because the their income is being. Um, that seems th- like it would spring up in reaction to 
some kind of movement for striking now. Right. Oh, Which this all comes so. down to a lack of general organization for these movements. Uh, like, I can't... I can name two or three environment action groups. Like, uh, I follow this group called Fang, but I haven't seen Fang. any shit they've been doing. Yeah, Is like, that... there's just, like, a lot of, like, tying yourself to bulldozers type stuff, I think. Um, oh, it's not for, like, saber-toothed tigers or anything? No, saber-toothed tigers, Anders, and this is going to upset you, have been extinct for millions of years. What? It's not for uh, buying movie tickets online. Fang? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're wild. I don't know. <laughs> but like, uh, what? Well, one, one of the, well, the other thing I was going to add about like when you talk about like environmental struggle is like, do we believe that what happened in Standing Rock and people's interest in it is because of environment? Because people consider environmental activism to be a keystone issue for them, or is, I don't think that. Right. I think that I think that maybe part of the thing was is that people felt when it comes to something like indigenous sovereignty. People felt like it was a clear-cut battle between people's right to occupy their own space and federal government plus corporate interests' ability to completely ignore uh, previously held treaties, and etc. So it's like, yes, there's anti-capitalist and anti-authoritarian instincts in there. So it's like, is environmental activism in good shape? It's like, I don't know. Do we think that... You know, Freddie DeBoer was at the um, the Katie uh, Halper um, podcast. podcast yeah, I was saying one of the things he asked. One guy got up and he was like, "What about animal rights?" What and and everybody on stage was like, "I don't really care." And Freddie was got up and asked a question. He was like, "He was like, hey, um, that guy. Like, I don't think anybody cares about. I'm paraphrasing, but like, I'm just like trying to characterize what happened. He's like, that guy. I don't think um, anybody cares about." what that guy is saying and i'm not saying that's bad but i'm asking everybody on stage like do we know what our bedrock issues are like could everybody on stage name one bedrock issue in their top five that is like central to coalition building for the left and these this brilliant panel they've been doing so well all night like named virtually nothing like it was like they didn't have anything they did the carceral state which was great and then it was like, yeah, but like you're five people. Like we got like the intercept on stage. Your like, guys. Like name. Who are your guys? Yeah. So anyway, I think that's like big questions we need to grapple with, and not we don't need to have conversations like the one we're having now, which is like conversations about needing to have conversations. Like somebody needs to stand up and say, oh, this project, we're gonna shut it down with our with our bodies, and we're gonna chain ourselves to bulldozers every day until the shit is gone or this guy right here this guy who's a leader he may not be perfect but he's gonna we're gonna put him in charge and i think those are the kinds of like claims that lefties can are often insecure in staking yeah fucking capitalism baby that's the thing capitalism i I do think that like it got uh the whole issue got a lot of attention because like there was so much uh it was like the perfect storm of like everything. Like the election, uh, Thanksgiving, I felt like was a huge thing. <laughs> um, it was like incredible timing. Yeah, like, it was just like weird. I feel like it had not all of this happened at that time, uh, you know, in December, when it was November, um, then like it might have gone, it might have gone a little more under the radar than it was. What? So, uh, I mean, something that's interesting to put in context, too, is you go back 20 years ago, 
um, one of the last times our environmental movement was, you know, really militant, uh, ELF, Friends of the Earth, they, not to criticize their tactics necessarily or even criticize their motives or ideology, but... Domestic, they were domestic terrorists. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's just not, I'm not being like, no, 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 you, you should shut up. They were bad terrorists, but like, it was hardcore. Yeah, and that's the, well, that, yeah, that's the way they were categorized. It was the plot of Final Fantasy VII happening. Right, the world around us. I haven't played, but uh, sure. The what they would do, I what I think they 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 would get pigeonholed because their cause was kind of an obtuse thing. You know, it's about logging, right? We can't, and you know, I guess he asked most people, like, hey, is logging good? Like, I guess it's, it's bad. Ultimately, you know, we can't cut down all the trees, but nobody's. But like, it's still kind of like not an immediate thing, right? when they're talking about animal testing. That's not an immediate issue. It's not something... It's something that you can easily turn into kind of a, a pet, bougie, you know, boutique... They hate uh, calling these things pet issues, too. Right. Then you're subjecting the, the, animals again. There you go. But now it's like, okay, people's lives are at stake. And they're... And it also goes as, you know, a whitey, like, I feel kind of shitty about that, you know, mm. that because these are people who have been historically oppressed. If you connect it to the human, <laughs> as it's more effective. Yeah, as whitey, I think you got to, you know, do That's the little a, guilt. You got to do guilt trips. The weird two faces of the climate change movement, though, is because we'll all be killed, <laughs> essentially, if this gets out of hand. But it's so abstract and distant that it's right. hard to mobilize people around. But it's, I think as the cli- as the climate change gets more serious, I think... It's already so bad. <laughs> right, but if um, what I'm saying is, like, if you go back to uh, the domestic terrorists... Um, we're not mobilizing years. those here. Well, what I'm saying is, like, their causes were things that weren't necessarily as urgent. You know what I mean? So right. it's like it's perfectly valid that we shouldn't be animal testing. But is that really going to cause the Anthropocene? You know, probably not. Uh, There's one guy um, when everybody got rounded up for the flood wall street things we were all in jail making friends after which was fun and it had a lot of like i'm mike i'm here from virginia and i came here to shut down some fascists or whatever and then we'd all slap five and then this one guy was being really quiet in the corner and he's like this quiet asian guy and he's like very thin and he like wasn't getting in on introducing himself or anything we we're like oh hey where are you from man and uh he was from the philippines and everyone on his village had been killed in a hurricane and he came here to do the protest after that. Uh, so these violent, catastrophic, accelerationist events are happening. They're, we're just not seeing them in America, which is kind of like the addendum to everything we talk about this show is it's very America-based. Okay, but he doesn't understand what it's like to grow up with a banker father who does not accept uh, your interest in punk rock music. And uh, questions your radical lifestyle, even though he uh, still gives you financial support. That's true. So. That's one disadvantage he's working with. Right. But he's Intersectionality doing the best here. he can, <laughs> Anders. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, as is tradition for the last few episodes, I thought of a game to kind of put a button on the show. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has any, any anything else they'd like to cover before we move on to the game. You got it. It's about capitalism. You know, it's, it's, it's going to come that's down. That's the one. That's the fucking. 
mother of all uh, b- evil. Your add-on is capitalism is evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's what I'm like. Every single one of these, we should issues. say that more frequently on this show. <laughs> yes, or it's it's it, like implied, but we don't we're just ready say for it. something else. Um, we're ready for a, no, a new system, and we got to start. Imagining one. Close your Wells Fargo bank accounts. There you go. Thank that's you. That's what. Brian. But that's what I did, and I, I'm at Flushing Bank, which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Uh-oh. we got these little actions. I moved my money. What is that going to do? How you're going to? F- you're flushing the big banks down <laughs> oh! the fucking t- toilet. Down the toilet. Boom. Dropthemic.com. How we doing? <laughs> hey. Oh, by the way, uh, Easter egg for anybody listening out there. Um. A big way to punk the shit out of my company is the fact that you can type in anything dot dot com and it will take you to our website. <laughs> um, so like that's a great Mike M I C or M I C dot com yeah, M I C dot com and if you so you can do like uh we, we always do like various like you do like orgaz dot dot com and like various words that end with Mike or you can just do like bacon dot that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then you tweet that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's a total own on the internet. Oh. And you have to be embarrassed forever and delete your fucking account. Um, what's our game? Um, okay. I was going to quickly cover. Uh, so I signed up for the uh, DSA uh, Climate Committee. Democratic After Social some of our America. friends were kind of showing up for that. And they have a reading that they're going to try to like organize around. And it was a radical approach to climate. And it was talking about the uh essentially the thesis was although climate movements are anti-capitalist almost by necessity because growth kind of doesn't go compatibly with uh having a sustainable environment that the fight against capitalism is going to be such a long fucking slog that the demands need to be more immediate for the environment end yeah, I'm just saying. It's such a fun game. Yeah, it's we a need good. A, all I'm saying is capitalism this is, is the Hobbit to our Lord of the Rings game. We're about to get right, to. and the best Mordor <laughs> boogeyman is capitalism. Or you know, like if you, as long as you identify that as the boogeyman, you know, you take whatever steps. Yeah, and the you know. giant fiery uh, watchtower. Okay, so here's how this is gonna work. We're gonna play a game. 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 Oh, no. <laughs> Game. I added it. It's after. at his house. <laughs> it's yeah. in his bedroom. I'm still learning. Um, okay, so this is a game I thought of. So there are a lot of environment movies, and they all have fucking grade A titles. So what we're going to do is uh, with Jack and Brian on the ones and twos here, we're going to list the name of an environment movie, and you're going to give us the best guess you have what it's about based on the name, and then Andrew's going to decide who who did a better job, and it's the best of five. You guys ready? Let's do it. Hell yeah. Okay, so first let's give Jack and Brian the mics. Uh, all right, I'm going to pass you what's this our, in a second. What's our first film? Your, your first film. All right, so the first round is going to go to Brian. Uh, based on the name Clouds of Smoke, what is the film? Uh, it's about smoke emanating from people's chimneys during the uh, England in the 1980s. 
Mmm, very good, very abstract. All right, Jack, uh, your guess is a take on the film The Eleventh Hour. Uh, it's about light pollution. It's about light pollution. It's about how um, the clouds are that 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 um, that our cities are growing too massive and blocking out the stars, and it's going to. I have no idea. You have no idea. No light pollution, though. Yeah. All right. So you guys, light pollution or a quaint film about there being too much smoke in England? Uh, Anders, what do you think is more uh, the better movie there? Gotta say, I really like the idea of an updated Thatcherite Mary Poppins. So I'm gonna have to go with uh, Brian Bahi, England. In Ooh, smoke. coming out swinging there, big man. Wait, All what's right. What's the eleventh hour? Of that? The eleventh hour. To find out. Uh, I would have to get it up, but I, 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 I it's, I <laughs> think a disaster it? movie. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's, I was worried that one would be too popular and you guys would know what it is. Yeah, I thought these were like documentaries. Yeah, no, some of them are documentaries and some of them are just like <laughs> Hollywood blockbusters. <laughs> the Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> the Day After Tomorrow is not on here, but it's going to be Saturday. All right, thanks for coming back. Uh, film. We're having a lot of fun here. We're recording on a Thursday, just so everybody knows. First round goes to Brian Bahi. All right, Brian, you came out swinging round one. Round two, we got to know. Ashes to Honey, what movie is that? Oh, man. This is a movie about how Jessica Alba was raised in a crematory. And she grew up to be a fantastic dancer in the background of hip-hop music videos. Uh-huh, honey. All right, and Jack, uh, your film is Black Hole. It's a cave diving movie about those especially deep caves. And, you know, they're, like, in, all in Central America, mm-hmm. uh, clearly. And then they get – it's the it's a, one of the fiction ones where they get stuck at the bottom and they uncover, like, a race of subterranean zombies. Right, right. That is actually like coded message about Those colonialism. Those always seem like rape heavy to me. They're uh, that. inc- <laughs> That's like most of horror films. That's true. Is right. just like and again coming back to our theme t- today, uh exoticizing indigenous people as some sort of like all the ones that take place in middle America in middle like Central America, not middle America. Are, what was that Mel Gibson movie? Apocalypto. Apoc- yes. That's a great example. Pers- Apocalyptico. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll retract po- that. Ooh. Um, that could be the name of an oil company, Apocalyptico. Okay, so to recap. I would divest. <laughs> oh, I'd hella divest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be a bummer. Yeah, you know it. Round two, we have Brian Bahi's Ashes to Honey being about. <laughs> I don't even remember what you said. Uh, Jessica Alba's uh, plight. Right, just her plight in general, or uh, the black hole being a Prob- deep problematic cave movie. thriller about deep caves in, yeah. those, in Central America. Uh, does the black hole have Jessica Alba in it? What? No, it's starring Jessica Alba. In in the trailer, she gets like she's like trying to like claw her way up towards the camera, and she gets suddenly dragged away oh. from the camera, and then it shows you the get out of the t- cave title card. Yeah, yeah, get out of the cave. Yeah. Okay, wait. So I get her mixed up with Beale. So she is the one who was in. What else has she been? She had a lasso in Sin City. She was in Fantastic Four. Oh, she, Invisible Woman. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I think the one you went with. <laughs> she, <laughs> a big fan <laughs> of Invisible. Uh, Sue Storm. She makes baby products now. I think. Oh, man, really? I. It is too problematic right. to refer to women as baby products, Brian. <laughs> we can't have you on the show saying things like that. As as long as he doesn't call him honey. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I think Jessica Alba in the black hole is pretty cool. You really so. did one-up him there because he was like, just Jessica Alba's home life. You were like, she's in a cave. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, so it's a, it's neck and neck here, and this is when it really heats up. All right. I have a, I have a follow-up question. Would you, would you go in those caves, like just like in real life, would you do the deep? Hell, hell yes. Fucking would, super high T activity. Uh, I'm I, down. I'm terrified of those things. But yeah, I would never do it. But I, I would never do it. Yeah. I would never do it. <laughs> you caves? You don't belong down there. That's for bugs. Uh, okay, uh, Brian, round three, and this is gonna be similar to Jack's, but the city dark. Whew. That is about the rolling blackouts in New York City that happened. When was that? Ninety-eight. Twenty oh three, I think. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's about that. Yeah, it was pretty fucked up. You couldn't uh, game. Um, all right, Jack. Uh, yours, and this is a uh, heavy-handed title here, but The Great Global Warming Swindle, this which is, is the, a real film. This is, the, this is the name of the third national treasure movie. Uh, it's, it's based on hollow earth theory. Nicolas Cage has to travel to the, to the earth's core um, where... Uh, uh, intergalactic committee of lizard scientists are conspiring to push um, sort of like the liberal agenda mm. and anti anti theist beliefs on the world, and he has to go down there and steal the original manuscript of um, Origin of Species back. <laughs> That's very compelling. I think we have a clip from that movie. Uh, let's play that. <laughs> Uh, hello? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, bit. I know how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Should we do a bit? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see that many lizards in one place. You have to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, oh. ah! All right, Anders, that's uh, round three. Well, how's it looking? The black, the city dark or the great global warming swindle? Ooh, um, <laughs> I'm as far as a movie that I would want to watch... Yeah, uh, I, th- I think um, it would probably. Yeah, I think we'd have some good yucks if we watch the Great Global Warming Swindle. You know, that would be a good, mm-hmm. good. That uh, sounds very similar track. to uh, the core. Yeah, the core with a, a right wing. The core. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, what I'm seeing from this is Brian ha- really has a mind for experimental films. Like, films that are just like, there's not a character, it's a city, and they've <laughs> lost <Yeah>. power. <laughs> IMAX. Yeah. A so. lot of IMAX documentaries. It's a community-centric narrative. And that's what we're missing today in today's Obama America. When is IMAX going to get political? Werner Herzog. From the man himself. Do you have something? No, I was just gonna. I was just ready to do a Werner Herzog impression at any. Yeah, <laughs> we'll fit that into this next challenge. Okay, round four. Uh, let's switch it up. Jack, you're getting the first one. Your movie is The Idiot Cycle. Werner Herzog. Have you ever seen his chicken? His his monologue about chickens. I have not somehow. Okay, so <clears throat> Werner Herzog explores the mystery of life based on the induct- uh, industrial chicken farming industry. Uh, Werner Herzog does this ma- marvelous monologue about the stupidity of chickens. When you look into a chicken's eyes, <laughs> there is a profound stupidity. Uh, and he j- like it's, and he just talks about how easy it is to hypnotize chickens. Oh, I think I have seen yeah. That. yeah. 
He loves to hypnotize chickens. He tries it, and he to look into the chicken's eyes. Yeah, he does the whole thing. Side note, my roommate's training to be a hypnotist. What? Yeah. <laughs> so. Is that up or down the, the sexual food chain from being an adult magician? Oh, sexually, I think it's up. Uh, yeah, it's, okay, cool. Yeah, so he's. I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of chickens in our apartment these next few weeks. Wow. Uh, again, Jack, you were supposed to name a movie <laughs> called <laughs> The Idiot Cycle. So, uh, is there it's a about, tie It's in here? about hypnotizing. It's a Werner Herzog film it's about Werner hypnotizing chickens. Because they're idiots. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how he would say it. He's a big old... <laughs> He, he's gonna get chickens. Chickens are okay. pretty dumb. I don't know if you've seen one in real life, but you you've never seen a chicken. No, I have, oh. and they're very. I'm sorry, I attacked you there. Just coming for me. That would have been big for me. Uh, <laughs> Brian, you're on the comeback here. Down one point. Your movie is No Impact Man. Oh, I've seen this movie. It is oh, about. Oh, busted! Yo, you rigged the fucking game, son. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I take it Did back. You get better than the game. <laughs> uh, this movie is about a man. Uh, who wants to have no impact on the environment, so he forces him and his family to live impact-free, by which he means uh, they do everything themselves. <laughs> no, I think. Wait, uh, okay. no, it's a documentary. No, no, just keep feeding him, you know, ideas and an- and all the answers ahead of time, and yeah. show him movies you'd watch. It is about a sex like thing. Podesta they, over here. They uh, they power the their television ahead of time. By, uh, his pelvic thrusting. Wow, Brian, that's an incredible film. You're doing really well, <laughs> and uh, I will help you any way I can because you're my little sweetie. Uh, all right, Anders, uh, that's round four. We have the idiot cycle, wherein. Uh, Werner Herzog hypnotizes chickens, which sounds good as hell, or No Impact Man, uh, which is, you know, just a man not letting his family watch TV or whatever. <laughs> I actually hung out at that guy's house once, uh, No Impact Man, so I got to go with that. Colin Colin Beaven, I believe yeah. is his name. Wait, this uh, is a true story? This is true, yeah. He stopped. He's Now he's a little bit of impact. But for a while, small impact. Man. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Minimal How impact. How did you man. end up at his house? Uh, this was back in this like four years ago. Uh, it was on election night when Obama was reelected. It was like sort what? of a. <laughs> it, How is this why is all of your life such a roller coaster of stories? There were chickens. <laughs> uh, no, there. He. Um. This was the last time. Okay, people are gonna judge me for this, but this was the last time, Jill Stein. Uh, was running for president when it was still cool to support her. Oh, in 2012. Yeah, when it wasn't like as taboo. Necess- it was still a I lot of people didn't like it. I think it was just less people even talked about it. Yeah, most people didn't know who she was. So she wasn't like it. And it's weird like all the how much people make fun of her now because that was all in the back of my head when I was a very strong supporter of her back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a very strong supporter is like a supporter is full of berries. Did I say berry? <laughs> yep. I don't. I got Steinberries. I invented a cereal for the Stein campaign. Right. I was really giving take you an off. opportunity to yeah. plug that. Okay. Uh, so how does this all tie into this guy? Because she was he was running for Congress at the time. He ran for Congress in 2012. Was he so on the green ticket? He, yeah, he was on the green ticket. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I ran against uh, in in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well then, Anders, uh, between the idiot cycle and no impact, man, which one's taking it? Well, no, no impact man's got it because I have the. Uh, he gave me no pizza. impact man. He gave Brian, me pizza and wine. 
You're on a roll now, mister. Uh, the game is tied. Two to two, and time for the final round. Oh, Who boy. would have thought we would get to all ten of these movies? I, for one, didn't. Uh, but uh, I guess... Uh, th- I think there's a chance either of you could have seen either of these. But we're going to we're gonna start with uh, Jack again. Jack, your film for the final round and all of the money, which we have not mentioned, but there's a sizable amount of it on the counter in cash uh, labeled bills right here. Um... Revenge of the Electric Car. What is that movie? Revenge of the Electric Car. Yep, I've I'm reading it correctly. Revenge of the Electric Car. It's about a recall of Chevy Volts. It's just like a boring procedural, but it's there are like the, the 35 minutes of the film is just like lithium ion battery shortages massacring people with explosive fires that sounds good as hell and it actually becomes about becomes like a like a, a gonzo documentary about tracing sort of the trade of contract manufacturers creating lithium ion batteries in unstable conditions in in China which is like a lot of where that trade is and sort of is an exploration around how and and the sort of the the revenge is the very very small particles that can get between like the thin um, layers of the battery that can like cause these shortages and explosive fires, but it's like a lot of a lot of Gonzo journalism, a lot of like unpacking the story narratively, a lot of um, and interspersed with artistic sort of renderings of face melting scenes of Chevy cars killing the fuck out of people. God damn! It's like tickled only about um. Only about contract manufacturers of lithium-ion batteries. Ugh! There's the elevator pitch. Yeah. So good. Face-melting. Metallica does the score. Very good stuff coming out of Jackson. I just want to give him the game right now, but I do, by law, have to let the rebuttal come out here yeah, from Brian Bahi, who's very good on his feet. I once saw him beat a rapper in a rap battle <laughs> to win an overtime competition at a comedy show. So anything could happen here. Brian, your film... Is this changes everything? This is a film um, narrated by noted comedian Charlene Yee uh, (laughs) (laughs) about how uh, after the election in 2004, um, the L.A. comedy scene drastically changed from, um, you know, regular stand-up to more alt-driven material. Like characters? Yes. Or mm-hmm. characters? Correct. Right. Would you say it got more of an anti-capitalist strain in the L.A. comedy scene? <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> it became more uh, anti-capitalist, the, the stand-up. Oh, yeah. Anti-capitalist, anti-big oil. Right. <laughs> Keep in mind, Anders is the only judge of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that two hard-hitting documentaries, uh, and this is going to decide who wins all the money again, stacked on the counter here. Anders, who who wins the game? Well, you know, I am actually related to Charlene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her last name is is Yi, but that people don't realize my ancestors when they came over on the boat, they, it was Yi. Is it Yi, but it's two L's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yee. See. See. See ye. 
This so, sounds like you're picking Brian's movie because you are related <laughs> to the person in it, which yeah, doesn't seem very do fair. If I mean, if I have someone related, if if you're if you were gonna watch either movie, which one would you watch? Oh boy, um, a tie. I gotta say, it's a wow. tie. Wow, for all this money. <laughs> Well, that, that now it goes to me, right? <laughs> You'll just have to tune in next time. <laughs> Icebreaker round. Okay, well, uh, I'm sorry, guys. There is no winner because we had one panelman here and his heart was too conflicted. I think the winner is the uh, the listeners right now who got to, <laughs> you know, got some great content. Hear that great, that gold, solid gold. Uh, all of these pitches are copyrighted, by the way. But then the real winner is us. Because we're so blessed to have such a great listening audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not wearing gloves so I can actually feel the content in my hands right now. Oh, boy, this microphone. Um, yeah, we are on <laughs> iTunes, so please like. Please subscribe. Oh, we're on, we're on to the plug section. Um, I was trying to segue into that smoothly, but thank you. Uh, we're on iTunes. No we're one on- will, though. No one will know that uh, you can find us on iTunes, which is a problem that we're trying to address. We want people to know that, that you can like, you can subscribe, you can share with your buds. You can leave us a five-star rating. Uh, there's actually a problem where you can't leave a rating unless it's five stars. I don't know what that's about. but That's uh, a bug. It's a bug, yeah. Just but just to be safe, leave five stars. Right, you don't want to get infected. Then. You don't want to get the Podesta virus. Uh, that can happen. If there's any constructive criticism, you can write it down in a letter and then mail that to yourself. <laughs> and see how it looks in a month. There you go. Mm -hmm. And uh, these guys are on Twitter as well, I believe. Let's see. uh, Brian, uh, thanks for coming on the show. You got anything to plug? Yeah, please uh, follow me on Twitter. I need the followers. Brian underscore Bahi, (laughs) B-A-H-E. On Instagram, I'm Brian Bahi. And listen to my podcast called UFOlogy, U-F-O-L-O-G-Y podcast. It's about UFOs. Uh, Alex Patak was our recent episode, episode eighteen, I believe, maybe seven, maybe eighteen. Uh, tons of fun. Underage. Underage fun. <laughs> That's true. It's a very good podcast. You should all check that out. Uh, Jack here from Mike.com. What you plugging, baby? Yo, okay. My name is Jack Smith the fucking fourth. And uh, no, count it. You can. Oh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Jack Smith the fourth. Uh, and you can like Instagram me too. Um, I'm about to drop a couple of cool stories. One is about like overtime pay, and it's like super jacked up and has a lot of sad stories in it. And another one is about um, how like when people make like use economic anxiety as a punchline in order to skewer like people who are racist. It's actually just like making a joke out of poverty in order to like marginalize concerns which have like always been marginalized by liberals or whatever um <laughs> so uh yeah got a lot of great stuff you can like find me on the internets i'm like incredibly online jack is very online i'm like very online he's actually at extremely online guy that is jack yeah no no, no. <laughs> that's an actual that's an actual account yeah, and I'm actually trying to like migrate my followers over to Jack Smith. So if you follow that account, it's yeah. time to start following both. I think Nick Mullen also writes uh, articles for Mike.com about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, thanks guys for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. It's been our pleasure uh, and our pleasure as well to grace the ears of the public. So good day for now and good night for the morrow. <laughs>